Yeah, man, it's it's awesome. I'm even though we're like in the middle of a crazy third wave, it's so awesome that we can still meet together in the Lord's house and we can still, you know, just come together and just worship together. And uh, I know Ntako prayed and he said that I've got wisdom and I really pray that this is more the Lord's wisdom than Stephen's wisdom tonight. Um, and if this is streaming and my mom's on the Zoom, I made it. See. <laughs> um, so, so last week um, we spoke about holiness, overflow of holiness. And holiness being the, that distracting me because that's never happened before. Sorry, I'm just joking around. Um, yeah, so we spoke about the overflow of holiness, and, and um, Mike touched on last week just that holiness is the character of God, and, you know, he was going into that. And I just want to, sorry, I need to have my, my notes out, and it doesn't help that my phone locks every 10 seconds, because then I have to do this every 10 seconds. Cool. So... We're in this series called Move With God, and particularly in this term, we're talking about the overflow of God, and that covers a whole range of different topics to, you know, like the overflow of God in the desert, the overflow of His holiness, and um, we're, it really does feel like we're in some form of a wilderness at the moment. It really does, you know, because when I think about wilderness, I think about a place that has some resources, because typically when we think about a wilderness, we think that the scripture is referring to the wilderness as like just this complete desert, and that's not always the case, but what it does imply is that it's basically a wasteland, and there are some places where you would find in the desert that they're like, you know, springs of water and so forth, and that's actually how a lot of the, um, you know, the, the the people of the ancient times, I'll refer to them as the, the people of the ancient times tonight. That's actually how they were still able to have uh, cattle and crop and so forth. But it does feel like we're in the space of some form of lack. It really does. Uh, perhaps it's a lack of peace. Perhaps it's a, it's a lack of, of finances. Perhaps it's a, a lack of, of healing or whatever. I mean, we just saw healing tonight, which... There's overflow already, you know, because um, we're in God's house and uh, we're doing it His way. Uh, but we'll get on to we'll get to that now. Now, but in general, it does feel like there's a lack. There's still resources, but there's some form of lack. But tonight we're going to be talking about an overflow of restoration. And before I do that, I'm going to read a scripture. It's from Luke five verses uh, 4 to, to 5. So if you want to turn to your mobile devices, you can do so. It's Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 5, and you'll understand a little bit more about why I'm sharing this a little bit later on in the message. So this is, Jesus is busy um, teaching and so forth, and then uh, it goes over this, and when he had finished speaking, referring to Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, oh gosh, put out, sorry, hold on, something. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Doesn't that sound interesting? Because it almost sounds like our reality. Man, I've been pushing on this thing for so long, but the Lord is saying overflow 
is the season that we're in, even though it doesn't always feel like it, right? So then he replied, he said, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. Okay, pause. We'll return to this a little bit later on. So as I said, that we're going to be speaking about restoration, the overflow of restoration, and particularly God's restorative power. And I do want to highlight that there's going to be, for the first part, I'm going to just lay it out so that you can stay with me tonight. Otherwise, I'm going to have to start making jokes. Okay? I'm going to say it right now just, just so that you can bear with me because when I, I shared this with Nicole today, um, this morning, she was like, what are you saying? You know? So I was like, that's nice. I felt very confident in this. Anyway, so, so there is going to be some theology connected to this because it's important for, you, for me to connect. And, and that's why I say first part theology. So you're going to be hearing words like forgiveness and stuff like that. And then what I'm going to do towards the end is I'm going to personalize that. And I'm going to try and, and just kind of invite you into some of the experiences that I've encountered in my life and just seeing the restorative power of God in my life. And if we really want to grab onto this, this, this idea of an overflow of restoration, then we need to do restoration God's way. So theological significance is, well, just pay attention and you'll hear. But what I do want to say, because there's mainly two parts that we're going to be talking about tonight. What I do want to say is that if we can attach our hearts to this, and when I say attach your heart to it, I mean open up your heart tonight. Even right now, as I'm speaking, and don't do this because I'm asking you to do it. Do it for yourself. Do it for your relationship with God. And say, Lord, open up my heart to hearing what you want me to hear tonight. Open up my heart and, and allow me to enter a space of surrender. Because let me tell you, this, this, this idea of surrender, it enables us to catch the hearts of God. Pride people don't catch the hearts of God. Right? So, so I want to invite you, just take a step of faith tonight, where you are right now, and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering. Because when we, when we position our hearts in a posture of surrender, walking this journey of restoration becomes a lot easier. It's not going to be completely easy, but it becomes a lot easier. Let me tell you that. It becomes a lot easier because we are giving our hearts to the Lord instead of building fortresses around our hearts. So, just one second. should probably get a tablet for these. And so if anyone here wants to... Cool. So before, before we go into the scripture, the scripture that we're going to be looking at today is Exodus 15 from verse 22 to 27. But before we do that, I thought that it would be important to kind of look at what restoration means in terms of, of the scripture. Because it would probably be a good idea that, that we, I actually set you up so that you know what, what I'm talking about in five minutes from now. Um, so I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. From verses 9 to 11. So 2 Corinthians from chapter 13 from 9 to 11. I'm going to be reading from the ESV uh, translation. And it goes like this. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you. That when I come I may not 
have to, to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and for not tearing down. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice and aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Isn't that interesting? So, so yeah, we see Paul is actually praying for the church of Corinth. And he's, and he's saying that, I'm praying for your restoration. I'm praying that you would be restored. And then he goes on and he says, because this is what I found so interesting. He's saying that, I'm praying this for you. This, I'm praying restoration over you. But, but also, you need to aim for restoration. You need to aim for this journey. You need to aim, and, I, and I'll, I'll share something with you now. And, 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 and then he says, but comfort one another. Agree with one another. And, and the, the love and the peace of God will be with you. Isn't that amazing? So I was doing you know, research and so forth. And what I found interesting is that if you go into some other translations, like I went to the NRT, and this is actually how I discovered it because I usually read the NRT. And then when I went there, I was like, huh, I don't see Restore yet. So then I went to different translations and I saw that some translations refer to restoration as being made complete. So the Greek word, which I won't say, you can ask Seth what it means afterwards because he's studying Greek. Big up to you, man. Um, but so basically, from what I understood from the studies is that restoration in the Greek actually meant, let me actually read it for you because I don't want to butcher it. That wouldn't be good. Okay, I wrote it down for a reason. Okay, so it, it means to set back into order. So it means to, to take a state of being and set it back to the state, and they refer to the state before the fall. So, so yes, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would be made complete. I'm praying that you would be restored. I'm praying that, that, that the Lord would set you back, that he would come and do a work in you, and he would actually bring you back. So it's almost, it's that salvation thing. It's, it's that journey of restoration that he's, that he's busy taking us back to the original design. So when, when I speak about restoration tonight, I want you to think about it in two parts. I want you to think about, about restoration taken into, to, you know, like a circumstance that you're going through at this moment. Because it will probably be applicable tonight. And some form or level, there will probably be one aspect of your life or one situation or one relationship that requires God to restore, to redeem it. But at the same time, I want you to think about restoration as this ongoing process that is restoring us back to Christ, that he's restoring the nature of Christ in us. Because when he created us, he created us perfectly, right? It's... That's why I say theological, because it, it comes back to the, the very things that we believe as Christians, right? So, so he's, he's in this process where he's literally taking us on a journey and he's restoring our original design. And that's, that, that restoring looks like letting go of certain things. That restoring looks like us walking in the new creation that he's made us in. So for this time, I'm going to 
just jump into Exodus 15. And like I said, it's from verse 22. And this is the ESV translation. Okay. So then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went for three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying that if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that are put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. So in terms of, of restoration, let's think about the journey that they were on. They were slaves in Egypt, right? The Lord freed them from slavery. He literally came and he freed them from slavery. And he brought them out. And I mean, imagine being the Israelites in this time. Imagine literally going to a sea and then somebody like lifts up a staff and then all of a sudden you just see these waves like parting. Okay, that, that's beyond understanding because I've never seen that before. And I think if I did see that before, I would probably fall on my knees or something because I think that the Lord has come. Um, but, but, but if you really have to put yourself in this situation, they literally just experienced this miracle. Not only was it a miracle, it was clear evidence that God's hand was on their life, that God had a plan for them, that God called them that they were his people, okay? It is clear evidence. It's not just a miracle. It's evidence of him being with them, all right? So then they get to this place. Okay, obviously I can understand the humanity side of it because imagine traveling in, in the wilderness or, you know, the desert for three days and then you get to water and you think, oh man, this is gonna be good and then it's better. It'd probably be a little bit upset. I, I would be upset. I think anybody would be upset, but... So, so the point is, what you're seeing is humanity once again, and, and God is busy rescuing them. He's busy restoring them as a nation, right? Because they were in slavery. And then they get to, to this, this water, and then they drink it, then they start complaining, and they're like, Moses, what now? Ah, oh, Moses, it's better if we just go back, because at least then we had water, and the water wasn't bitter, and, you know, I don't mind being a slave or whatever, because really, now we're just in the desert, and what, 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 and shame poor Moses, because he heard this a lot, and, um, you know, then, then what does Moses do? Moses goes to God, and he shows us a very fine example of what restoration looks like, what response we need to have towards God. So he goes to God, and then he, he cries out to the Lord, and I'm sure he was really crying out, because if you were in a situation like that, if I was in a situation like that, I'm sure we'd also cry out. Um, so he was crying out to God, and then the Lord 
gave him an instruction. He said, take that log, that piece of wood, take it and I want you to throw it into the water. Sounds weird. I don't know the science behind it, but he took that log and he put it in the water, threw it in the water, whatever he did. And what happened? The water became drinkable, right? But what's fascinating about this is that right afterwards, the scripture says that they went to Elam where there were 12 springs of water. 12. From a place of complete bitterness to 12 springs of water, an abundance of water that wasn't bitter, because it didn't say it was bitter, so I'm assuming that it wasn't bitter, right? But before that, they experienced a miracle, and they experienced God delivering them, okay? So I want to make a strong statement tonight, is that you can physically remove yourself from Egypt, but you can still be spiritually enslaved to Egypt, and so this takes me to my number one point for tonight. And thanks to Pastor Lee, because I'm sort of plagiarizing, but I'm not plagiarizing. I've made it my own version. So it's like an essay, and I'm getting good marks out of it. Anyway, so, so first point for tonight is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And you can be like, oh, what, what does that mean? Because whenever it comes to a place of restoration, it means that something I've ha- had to have happened for some form of an injustice to take place that puts somebody in a position where they needed to be restored, okay? So, so, so now you're in this place, and let me tell you something, because I'll bring it to, to some of my personal experiences, because, and why I say that you can physically remove yourself from, from Egypt and still be spiritually enslaved to Egypt is what I'm saying is that sometimes when God is trying to bring us to a place of healing and bring us to a place of restoration, we might still be holding on to an injustice that happened to us. Or perhaps it was, you know, somebody who, who broke our hearts and there's a pain that we're holding on to or they broke our trust and, and there's this reality of trust and, and God is wanting to take us to a place of healing, but we're still holding on. Forgiveness will always open the door to healing. Because when I'm holding on to a form of injustice, when I'm holding on to a form of, of, of anger or bitterness, like they drank this, this water that was bitter, okay? and, and I know that there's a lot of metaphorical aspects of this, but just bring it to your own reality. If, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody did something to you, if you experience an injustice of some sort, you will, will be holding on to anger. You'll be holding on to some form of feeling That's not of God. And your heart will grow cold. So you might be out of that situation, but you're still enslaved to the Egypt that created the circumstance. And God is saying, forgive. Because it wasn't enough for the Israelites to see this powerful miracle of the Red Sea being split right in front of their eyes, seeing the providence of God, seeing the evidence of his hand on their life they still came to a place and they were bitter and they were holding on to Egypt. They were still holding on to the injustice that they experienced. So when we forgive, the beautiful thing that happens is that we experience liberation. And I'm also gonna make a statement 
want to say that we need to do it on God's terms. Restoration is on God's terms. Because if, if, we, if we're going to try and do restoration ourselves, it's going to be like wandering around this desert and, and, and then we eventually start hallucinating this beautiful puddle or pool of water. And then we get there, we realize what's actually happened. It was a false sense of healing. A false sense of healing. So in this journey of restoration, I want you to start thinking about what is going on in your, in your life. Has, has somebody hurt you or, or have you hurt somebody? Because sometimes it means that we need to ask for forgiveness for us to be restored. Because sometimes sin in our life moves us away from the original design. It did in the beginning. We see it with the fall. So there's this real idea of forgiving people. Forgiving those that have hurt you. Maybe it's forgiving organizations. Maybe it's forgiving a celebrity that said something and then you saw that they lied and, or a politician or whatever. I know I'm going extraordinary lengths right now, but I mean, f- forgiveness, and, uh, or rather let's say unforgiveness, the bitterness of unforgiveness can, can have deep, deep, deep roots. I've experienced that myself. Sometimes you even need to forgive yourself. And when you, when you forgive, you find yourself opening the door of your heart for the Lord to come in. Because remember, the Lord's a gentleman. He's not going to just knock that door down and be like, I'm doing this now. No, he's going to come in gently. And when you forgive and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going I'm to forgive this person even though it doesn't feel like this, this you know, feeling has gone. Because that's reality. Forgiveness just opens the door that allows God in. It's, it's, it's Him working our, our emotions, our hearts, making us understand that the, the inner process that enables us to be restored. So I want to encourage you today that if you're holding on to some form of unforgiveness or if you need to ask for forgiveness, I want to encourage you to do that today. And then from this place of forgiveness, we're going to go into the second point. And like I said, there's two parts because uh, I want to touch on just some personal experience. And I don't think I'm going to be talking for much longer. But, you know, um, so, so the second part is righteousness. It's, it's living righteously. Okay. So number one, forgiveness. But then number two, righteousness. Right. So, so let's just say, I'm going to paint a, a little scenario, a scenario here. So let's say, Ntako over there said something about my very nice coat, okay? Okay, and he said, and then I was like, man, I, I picked this coat out, and I like this coat, and I'm super offended right now. I've got two choices, right? And that's a stupid example, but I've got two choices. I can either say, well, I don't like your shoes, Okay. You know, in retaliation. Or, I do like your shoes, don't worry, okay. <laughs> um, or, or I can say, okay, thanks, Inzago. That's I'm glad for your opinion. And I can forgive him, even though he offended me, right? So when I say righteous living, what do I mean by that? I mean, there's no other way to live righteously than to look at Jesus and look at how Jesus lived. And then mimic that. So when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he didn't mean, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm going to hit you back. No, he meant turn the other cheek. 
If he said forgive, then he meant forgive. If he said live with the, you know, live peacefully, he meant live peacefully. It's not, it's not very difficult to understand what Jesus was saying because he was very clear about what he said. If you go and read the Gospels right now, it is very clear what he said. He made it clear because often the disciples are like, what are you saying? And he was like, oh, you don't understand again. And then he explained it to them. He was so clear with his commandments. The Lord is clear with his commandments. The only difference, or, or rather the thing is, is that it's difficult. It's simple, but it's difficult because it requires us to lay ourselves down. So when I, when I say that we're going on this process of restoration and God is taking, on, taking us on this process of restoration, it requires for me to forgive, number one, to forgive myself, to ask for forgiveness, to, you know, forgive the person that's hurt me, whatever, to release myself from that snare. It might not change that person's way of living or whatever, but what it does do is it frees me to open up my heart to the Lord so that He can work on my heart. Because unforgiveness, we categorize it as bitterness. You will always walk around with a bitterness in your heart, and you'll be cold in your heart when you're walking around with unforgiveness. Because who can you trust when you're walking around with unforgiveness? Uh, there's no joy of the Lord there with unforgiveness. But then we follow it with righteous living, to do what, what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And, and I can give you a whole list of that, but that's, that's pointless. I'm going to give you the most simplest form of what it means to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Look at his nature. Go read his word. Engage with the, the instructions that he's given us. To look at Jesus as our example. I mean, that's, that's what Hebrews 12 says, that he's the author, perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he's the author of our faith. But he's, not the, he's not only the author, he's the perfecter of our faith. He didn't just set up this, you know, this is the road that you have. He actually came and he lived it. And he did it perfectly. And he said, come and follow me. Do as I do. Because no one will come to the Father except through me. Restoration requires us to look at Jesus and do the same. Not to look at Jesus and be like, that one I'll do. This one I'm not so sure. It's like 2,000 years later, you know, times have changed. Because then what are you doing? You're setting yourself up for false restoration. I can guarantee you now, down the line, that false restoration is gonna come back to bite you. And you're gonna realize that you're still in that desert. You're gonna realize that you're still in despair. You're gonna realize that you're still broken, that you're still feeling shamed, shameful, and all of those things. Because we cannot walk and be made complete and experience God's restoration Without his process, it requires his process because it's his restorative power. It's not Stephen's restorative power. It's not Letitia's restorative power or Darlene's restorative power. It's God's restorative power where he's making us new. And it's this journey that we go on throughout our lives where he's making us new. And sometimes that, that, that pertains to particular situations 
But let me tell you something. All those situations that, that require restoration is setting you up for long-term restoration. So I'm going to share something because I want to try and personalize this so it doesn't just sound like I'm saying a bunch of theological terms and, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to take it back to, I'll actually take it back to when I, I became a Christian and I started studying here at the church. It was 2016 and uh, I'm sure some of you have heard some form of my story, um, but I had a really, okay, so take it back eight, eight years ago because my daughter's turning eight tomorrow. Can you believe it? Uh, eight years ago. I had, uh, you know, conceived a child with a lady, and then things didn't go well, and uh, many years down the line, like, it was still really, really bad. I struggled to see my daughter, and there was always excuses from the other person and whatever. So, I mean, let me tell you something. This was years of built-up bitterness, built-up frustration. Before I became a Christian, how I dealt with my bitterness was to drunk, get drunk, <laughs> drunk, get drunk and get high. That was it. To the point where I was completely wrecking myself. I was working at a restaurant and, um, you know, I'd work like these double shifts, make six, seven hundred rand, whatever, go out that night, look at my wallet the next morning, ah, 20 rand. I'm serious. And I would do this on a regular basis. I was hanging out with very bad people, you could say that. Pray that they come to the Lord. The point is, I was engaging with the wrong activity. And then I came to the Lord and things started to change, man. I, I remember it was, it, there was a Sunday, it was a Sunday, uh, a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon. I think it was around about 12, 1. I was supposed to see my daughter Leah and... Uh, I got a message saying that, no, you know, something happened or whatever. Like, it wasn't anything bad. It was just an excuse. Man, I remember sitting on my bed there, and I was angry. I was so, so angry because I never really knew how to, you know, like engage because it was only when, when I came to the Lord that the Lord started highlighting the things that, that are holding me captive. You know, and I, I just remember sitting there, I was so angry, I, and all I wanted to do was retaliate. I had my phone in my hand, and I was ready. I was ready to go to war, and I felt the Lord speak to me. And the only thing that I heard the Lord say to me is forgive. I was like, what? Forgive? Did you not see what just happened? And you're telling me, forgive, forgive, forgive. And with that, I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit on my life just in that moment. And I forgave. I said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I forgive this person. I forgive them for the hurt that they're causing me. Because let me tell you something. I wasn't just bitter towards that person. It was made clear to me through me opening up my, my heart to the Lord, to allow him to come into those spaces, to show me that I was even bitter towards myself, I was bitter towards my relationship with my daughter. She didn't do anything wrong, but the point is the situation, the circumstance made me completely bitter towards everything. And I was being robbed of experiencing my daughter. I was being robbed of, of actually giving her the father that she needed. Or she was being robbed, then I was being robbed, if you 
do it like that. And, and, and as I forgive, there was a, it, was, it wasn't a, like a, all of a sudden everything is all right or whatever. I mean, that was 2016, okay? Things only really started to come right last year. Like if I really have to look at the process of, of where I am now, you know, she was with me yesterday. She didn't have any of her clothes or whatever. And she's like, I want to sleep over, you know. And I was like, but that's not the arrangement that we made or whatever, you know. But the point is that it went from her not even wanting to be with me because she hardly saw me to her yesterday saying, I want to sleep over at you, okay. That's what I call restoration. Because when the Lord told me to forgive, all I felt like doing was retaliating. And when I, when I saw that person coming into my life again, guess what I had to do? I had to respond with gentleness. I had to be peaceful. I had to be kind. Because I, I knew that's what the Lord was telling me to do. So if you can bring this into your own life right now, I'm not telling you just to forgive, just to forgive. I'm telling you forgive because it's, it's liberating and it opens the door to f- true freedom and true restoration, right? And, and, and when we follow suit in what the Lord is telling us to do, I want to I take you back to, to Luke chapter 5 because I want to read further on for you. And I just want to show you what it means when we listen to the Lord, when we do things His way. And I know it's not necessarily like on whole restoration level or whatever, but I just want to, I just want to highlight what doing what God wants us to do does. Okay, from, remember, we, we ended off with Luke chapter 5, verse 5, and he's like, man, we've been doing this the whole night and yeah, you come and tell us to cast our, our nets on the other side. I'm pretty sure that throughout the night they were like, you know, at some point they were probably doing that because they said they were doing it all night, okay? But here's the miracle of when we listen to Jesus, when we do things his way. Then it says, and when they had done this, when they casted the nets on the other side, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. That's overflow, man. I didn't just catch a few fish there. One or two cans of pulchards. Nah. It was an overflow. So much so that their nets were breaking. Come on. I'm showing you the scripture because I want you to see what happens when we step into the will of God. When we allow him to come into our lives and do something so amazing that he can even part seas just so that we can escape the hand of slavery. So now I'm going to, I'm not going to ask you to, to speak to people, but just for the next two minutes or so, it's going to be your turn, okay? I want to ask you, number one, is there any situation in your life right now where bitterness has crept in or is trying to creep in. Think about it. Is there any point in your life or any situation in your life right now where you see bitterness is coming in? I trust you all know yourselves well enough to already see something because we deal with this on a daily basis. 
then, sorry, I lost it. Number two, in this, now that you've thought about it, do you need to forgive anyone or ask anyone for forgiveness? Just think about that for a second. Awesome. I'm going to say a prayer, and uh, I'm just going to pray over each one of you. And if, I mean, if this applies to you, while I'm praying, you can think about that person. If you need to ask them for forgiveness or if you need to forgive somebody right now, I, I, I just want to invite you to do it, okay? To take that step to open your heart to the Lord right now. So, Father, I pray for every single one of us here. I pray, Lord, that, that just on this journey of restoration, Lord, if there's any form of bitterness that has come into our hearts because of some form of, of unforgiveness or perhaps it's something that we've done to somebody else, Lord, and, and you calling us to forgive that person. Father, just in this moment, Father, I, I just pray that, that, that you would just encourage us right now, that you would just impress on our hearts right now who we need to forgive or perhaps who we need to ask forgiveness from. And Lord, I, I, just, I just pray that, it, that, that as, as we ask for forgiveness or as we forgive, that there would just be some freedom coming into our lives right now. Just the freedom of the Lord, that, that as we forgive, we're experiencing the opening of our hearts for that restoration process. And Father, I just pray that, that, that as we engage in this journey of restoration, that once we've forgiven, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live right, that you would help us to do things that are pleasing to you, Lord, that, that, that you would give us the ability to hear your voice, that you would give us the ability to see what you are calling us to do that you would give us wisdom into situations, that you would help us on this journey of restoration. It is a journey that you take us on. So Lord, I, I just pray for open hearts tonight. I just pray that, that, that peace would come as forgiveness is has been released and now to pray peace would come. Fill every heart with peace tonight. With your joy, with liberation, freedom in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you want to say anything or you? Is there any fathers in the house tonight? If there are, please raise your hands. Anyone? Anybody have a dad? <laughs> where's, where's someone? From, oh, there, there. We'll be with you. As you come down, we'll give you a, a gift. And, if, and, and Sam is also a dad, but he was probably in the morning, so he probably got... But if you want another one, you can, you know, just saying. So if, if you do have a father and you do want to bless your father, you can come to um, this, this man of here, Mr. Ntako, and you can just ask him uh, just for a Father's Day gift because you can still bless 
your fathers and um, for the Zoom people, thank you for joining. And oh yes, we need to take offering. <laughs> so I'm going to ask uh, there at the back because we didn't do that. If you do want to uh, give through tithes and offering, uh, you can do it online. Is Jonathan in the room? Uh, or is he upstairs? Jonathan is that guy upstairs. He was the guy that was screening everybody. If you do have cash and you do want to give uh, you know, via cash, you can just speak to him and then you'll put it in the drop safe. Um, but yes, the tithes and offerings, your scanner is right there. So other than that, bless you all. I'm actually going to pray for a prayer of protection as we are in a very interesting time. So Father, I just pray for every single person here. Yeah? I pray that as we gather, Father God, I pray for, for just your protection over us as a community, that, that you would grant us the ability to keep on coming and, and meeting together, knowing that we're safe, that you would protect us from any form of, of disease or any form of, of sickness or anything of, of, of that nature, Lord, that you would protect us and yet you would see that we come back safely. I pray that in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. And have a good evening.